0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who are watching today. We may have those watching for the first time today. We want to thank you for tuning in. We also appreciate those who watch every time we are on the air. Now today we're going to be discussing a very important subject entitled, The First Commandment. What is the first commandment of all? I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible Correspondence Course. I I would like to emphasize that this course is free And in order that you might know more about the course and that you might know how to receive this free Bible correspondence course, let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314 Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In
1: Matthew, the 22nd chapter, Jesus was asked a question by the Pharisees. And the question was, is it lawful to pay tribute or taxes to Caesar? Now, Jesus' answer to the Pharisees was, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And then you render to God the things that belong to God. Now that same day the Sadducees came to Christ, and these are the people, of course, who did not believe in a resurrection, and they came to Jesus with a, uh, with a question. They said, now, here's a man, he dies, and, and uh, he leaves a wife, and, and then she marries his brother, and then he dies, and ultimately the woman marries seven brothers. And the question was in the resurrection whose wife of the seven is she going to be? And then Jesus in verse 29 says that you are mistaken or you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Because in the resurrection people don't marry. They're not going to be given in marriage because they're going to be like the angels of God. And so Jesus answered that question for them. And then the, the Pharisees came again and they asked Jesus another question. And here is the question found in verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So Jesus' answer to the question what, what is the great commandment in the law? And the answer was to love God. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, Moses wrote, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, with all of thy strength. And so even in the Old Testament, God's people were taught to love Him. And here Jesus was asked the question, what is the great commandment in the law? Have you ever wondered why it was called not only the first and great commandment? Why is it called great? Well, what is there about this commandment that is so great? Well, I think one of the reasons we could see that it's a great commandment is because it's the one to whom this love is directed. This love is directed toward the one who is creator. In Genesis 1 and 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So when we talk about loving God, we're loving the very one who made us. In Psalms 95 and verse 6, the Bible said, Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. He is our Maker. Why should we not love Him? Psalms 100 says that he, it is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. Possibly another reason we could refer to this commandment of loving God as a great commandment is because love for Him is the fountain of obedience to all of His commands. Listen to Jesus in John chapter 14 and in verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so when we think about this being a great command, it is the uh, loving Him, is the the fountain, it is the source that brings obedience in our hearts for the commands of God Almighty. Yet another reason that we might refer to this as being a great commandment is because of the tremendous benefit there is toward man in loving Him and obeying Him. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek Him. There's no way that a person can love God without seeking God and without believing in God. And those who seek God, those who believe in God and those who love God are going to be rewarded. We must believe that He is, that He exists, and we must believe that He is a rewarder of all of those who do diligently seek after Him. Jesus called this a great commandment. He called it the first and great commandment. There there are some things that are implied and we talk about our loving God. First of all, we we when we talk about loving God, we, that implies that God is, that God exists. It is impossible to love something that does not exist. The opening sentence of the Bible reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you see, when we think about loving God, That implies that we acknowledge His existence. Also, it implies that God is the supreme ruler of all, that He is over all. Uh, I I like what Paul wrote about God in Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 6, when he says, there is one God who is above all, through all, and in you all. God is over all. He is in all. He is over all and, and through all. You see, God is the supreme ruler. God is our sovereign. And, and so we love Him. Also in loving God, there's the implication that we need Him. There's a basic need in the human heart for love. And many people are not perhaps receiving it. Maybe some people are not seeking it. But there's a need to be loved. And, and there is a need that we have of the love of God in our hearts. So many people in our modern society are trying to do things their own way, excluding God. But I I love what Jeremiah said about that in the 10th chapter of Jeremiah. He said, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Then when we talk about loving God with all of our heart, that implies that a person can do otherwise than love him. In other words, a person may not love God. And it's a sad truth, and, uh, and I regret to say it, but there are many people in our world today who do not have the love of the God of heaven. Psalms 10 and verse 4 says, there's no thought of Him in their hearts. Romans 3.18 says that, that talks about those who do not, uh, ret- do not have the fear of God in their hearts. In Romans, the first chapter, ta- Paul talked about those who did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They did not even like to think about God or to have a knowledge of God. They excluded it from their thinking. Well, you can't love Him if you do not believe in Him. And there are many people today who do not believe in God. The Bible says that a person is very foolish, morally and spiritually senseless to make the declaration there is no God. The most logical explanation for everything that exists in the universe is the opening sentence of the Bible in the beginning God? But David said, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. That is, a person is morally and spiritually without common sense or senseless when they say that there is no God. But how are we to love God? That, that's the question we need to answer. How are we to love Him? Well, let's look at what Jesus said back in verse 37 when he was asked the question, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great and, and first commandment in the law? And Jesus said we're to love him with all of our heart. With all of our heart. You know, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 2 talks about those whose hearts are divided. Divided heart cannot love him. Here's an individual who acknowledges that God exists, but but then they're not living for him. Their heart is divided. And Jesus in Matthew, the 6th chapter, verses 22 and 23, talked about serving him with a single eye. Jesus had reference to serving him with a single heart. In the 24th verse, he said, no man can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve Two masters at the same time, nor can you love two masters at the same time. You see that th- there is not love in the human heart for a love for God and a love of something else that 's one of the reasons that God chastised and punished his people in the Old Testament, because even though they acknowledged his existence, they went after other gods. In first John the second chapter in verse fifteen. The Bible says, love not the world. That is the world system. Things that are involved in the world system. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now listen to this part of it. For if any man love the world, the love of God is not in him. You see, you can't love God and love the world at the same time. And yet you think of people who are trying to straddle the fence with God. They say, oh, I believe in God. Yes, I acknowledge his existence and yet they're not willing to give their lives to Him. We're to serve Him with all of our heart. First Corinthians 16, 22 says, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. We're to love Him with all of our soul, with every fiber of our being. I'm to love Him body and soul. Listen to Paul in Romans the 12, chapter, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove whether that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm the, I am in the living in this old physical tabernacle of clay, this body of mine. I am to love God in everything that I do in this body. I'm to manifest a love for God. And and my soul belongs to God. I, I, I belong to Him body and soul. And so I'm to serve God and to love God with all my soul. I'm to love Him with all of my mind. That has to do with what I think. You know in Colossians the third chapter Paul said if you then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. We we need to have God-focused thinking. That is, we need to focus our thinking on things that pertain to God. In the fourth chapter of Philippians, in verse 8, Paul talked about things that are lovely, things that are good, things that are pure and the like. And he said, think on these things. Whatever you think about long enough, you're going to do. You know, Solomon said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we we need to channel our thinking that reflects a love for God. What about your thinking? And then he says, the Bible teaches we're to love him with all of our strength. Well, what does that mean to love him with all of our strength? Well, perhaps one of the things that we can learn there is we love him with all of the efforts that we put forth. Personally, I don't have any personal strength. Everything that I do as a a preacher of the gospel I do it because I get strength from some other source. I can't do it alone. And my Lord has promised that as I preach the gospel, that he'll be with me always, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. And I know this, that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Whatever we do, we need to do it with all of our strength. We need to do it with all of our effort. I have always believed, I have long believed, that whatever you do, you should do it with all of your might. You should do it with all of your strength. Well, I can remember as a, as a young boy, as a teenager, in my early teen years, working on the farm. And, and I worked for a man out in the hay field picking up bales of hay, putting them on the wagon, then helping them put in the barn. I did it with all my might. I can remember then after graduating from high school, I worked in a paper mill. And I tried to do the work they asked me to do with all of my might. And one day the foreman came by and he said, Son, you need to slow down. You're working too hard. You're making all of these other people look bad. I believe that whatever we do for God, we ought to do it with all of our strength, with all of our might, with all that there is within us, we ought to do it. As, as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Love God with all of our strength. You say, well, Brother Lambert, I just don't, I just don't feel like I've got it. Well, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, is the record of Paul having a thorn in the flesh. I, I don't know what his thorn may have been. There are all kinds of ideas about it. And, and on another telecast, we'll maybe discuss those uh, ideas. But but Paul, I know it was a painful thing. It was a very painful thing to him. It was a thorn in the flesh. And uh, the word translated thorn in the original language suggests a pointed stake, something that was painful to him. And three times Paul prayed for its removable. But God did not remove it. But here was God's answer to Paul's request for the removal of it. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength that's God's strength is made perfect in weakness that is in Paul's weakness. And it is in our weakest moments that God can show his strength in helping us to endure in whatever we're doing. You see, we're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Now the question arises, how do we show love for God? Is it because I may wear a medallion around my neck? Maybe maybe I wear a cross around my neck? Is it because I have a bumper sticker on my automobile that says, I love God? Is it because I may sing loud and long on the Lord's day when we gather together to worship, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus because He first loved me? How do I demonstrate my love for God? In 1 John, the 5th chapter in verse 3, there John wrote, this is the love of God. Now, here's a definition of what it really means to love God. This is the love of God That we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. Now what does that really mean? His commandments are not grievous. Well it just simply means that whatever God commands us to do. Is not like some kind of a burden that He's placed on us. It's not a pack on my back. It's not a burden to be borne. But it's something that I want to do because I love Him. Why would a mother stay up all night long with a fevered child? Is it because she enjoys staying up? No. She stays up all night with a fevered child and cares for that child out of love. And when we fall in love with the Lord, I mean really fall in love with Him because of everything that He's done on our behalf, we reciprocate His love, then whatever He has required of us becomes a desire on my part. You see, I show that I love Him by doing what He says to do. Listen to Jesus again in John chapter 14 and in verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. There's one translation that reads, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now I want you to notice verse number 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. To to whom will the Lord manifest himself or reveal himself? Well, it's the man who loves him enough to do what he tells him to do. Now, notice down in verse 23, uh, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word person may talk about loving God and never love God because they never do what God asks them to do. You see, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Would you like God to live with you? To make his home with you? Then we have to love him enough and love is son enough to do what they tell us to do. Now verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. So you see, the way we manifest our love is by Obedience. That, 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 someone says, well, Brother Lambert, that sounds almost legalistic to say that, that the obedience. Well, well, I'm aware of the fact that we live in a time in, in our world's history where so many people do not want to be told what they must do or not do. They, they, want to, they live by this self-determination. They want to determine their own uh, future. They want to determine their own uh, choices in life. Well, this is not destroying an individual's free moral choice, but say that we must obey him. But you see, because I love him, he knows what's best for me, and I want to do what he tells me to do. Well, here's another question How do we grow in our love for God? One of the ways that we grow in love for God is by allowing his love to motivate us. 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 tell us that we love Him. Why? Why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. You see, that's reciprocal love. That's paying back that love. A sad thing is to be loved and not be loved back. Maybe some of you have that to happen with your children. Maybe you've had to happen it with a spouse. You, maybe you love that person. And yet they left you. And you still love them. But it's a sad thing when, when God loves us and yet we don't love Him uh, in return. Not, we don't love Him enough to do what He requests of us. And then we love Him and we show that we love Him and we grow in our love for Him by going to Him in prayer, knowing that when we go to Him in prayer, that He's going to hear my prayer. David in the 116th Psalm and in verse number one said, I love the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful thing for a person to say? I love the Lord. And and maybe right now you're saying that. Well, Brother Lambert, you know I really love the Lord. Well, I want you to listen to this passage. He said, I love the Lord because He hears me. Because He hears me when I pray. You see, when we pray to God, and upon the terms that he's given for an acceptable prayer, he hears us. And that ought to cause us to love him. You see, when I pray to God, he bends down in condescending love to listen to me. He's not a God who is a distant God. He's not very far from any one of us. Oh, how we ought to love God today with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And we love him by keeping his word. Let me read to you from the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. Whosoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Is the love of God perfected in you today, my friend? Do you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, with all your strength, with all your being, do you love Him enough as a believer in God to accept His Son as being the Savior of the world? To acknowledge Jesus as to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter made that confession in Matthew 16 and 16, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon the confession of our acknowledgement of Him as being the Son of God, we are to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Jesus said, He that believeth, and he is baptized, shall be saved. Do you love Him enough as a believer in Jesus to repent of your sins, to confess that you believe, and then be baptized that your sins be washed away in His precious blood? Do you love Him that not? I may be speaking to a member of the Church of Christ right now who's become wayward in heart and in life. Do you love him enough to come back home? Would you do that? Now, before we close today, let me encourage you to pick up the telephone right now and call for the Bible course. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus.
0: Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is
1: the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you.
0: Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314. Summerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214 Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles